Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. How many of you are ready for football season that's just right around the corner? I think preseason has already started, and so there won't be a weekend without football until like February or something like that. I love thinking about football. When I think about football, I think about Vince Lombardi. Uh, In 1961, in a locker room, he gave a famous speech in which he started this way. He had a bunch of grown men in his locker room. And in spring training in 1961, he walked in with the football. And he said these words, gentlemen, this is a football. He started at the basics, right? He understood that at some level, it was important for all of them to be on the same page, to start at the same uh, thought, to have the same foundational understanding. Today marks the beginning of a new series called All In, where that's what we're going to do for our church. We're all going to get on the same page on why our church exists, why are we located here, why has God placed us here, and what does it mean for us to be all in on the church. If you can see the screen, we want to be like this guy. We want to be jumping off the cliff of this world, the cliff of our own uh, perspective, the cliff of our own regrets, the cliff of our own understanding, and we want to jump into what God has called us to do. With no parachute, with no restraint, with no safety net, with just nothing but the promises of God right in front of us. That's what we want to do. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to kind of walk through what does it mean for our church to be all in. By God's grace, this is where we'll be as a church. We will be a church that lives out an authentic faith, develops healthy and strong relationships, and gives every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. This is what we're going to be all in about. So embedded in this statement, there's two values and one mission. And as we talk through this today, we're going to highlight what these two values are. What is our one mission? And as we do that, by God's grace, we will go forward and be all in. So the first value is this. We want to be a church that lives out an authentic faith. We're going to unpack what that word faith means and what it means to be having authentic faith and, and the fact that we don't just uh, go to church, but we are the church, right? This is a building. This is a gathering space. But the church, as the New Testament defines it, is you and I. It's the people that make up the church. The second value is going to be this. We want to be known for being uh, to, for developing healthy and strong relationships. That means relationships with one another, with you and your spouse, with you and your brother or sister, uh, with you and your parents, with you and your friends, with you and your employer, with you and the community. What does it look like to have strong and healthy relationships? And then our one mission is this. We want to be a church that gives every, opportun- every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. You know why we had VBS? We wanted to introduce kids to Jesus. We wanted to give them a space that was safe, that was healthy, that allowed them to have some fun, but for a few moments understood what it means to meet Jesus. So for us, I want to be perfectly clear, for our church to just survive is not an option. It cannot be an option. There is no plan B for the church. Uh, When Christ gave his mandate to the church, one of the things he asked the church to understand and to recognize is that the gates of hell could never stand a chance against the church as God has defined it. 
Now, here's the thing. Our church has been around since 1889. Some of you after church asked Pastor Darren what it was like in those early years for us to have this church in this community. 1889, that's a long time. Some 130, what? 30 something is what I'm saying too. 130 something, our church has been here. Now, for some of us, that means our church will never die. And to, I think, I think you're right. I, I, I do think there is a, a, an element of our church that will never die. But how many of you know that being on life support is not really living? Right? And so I don't want to ever get to a place where our church is maybe not dead, but we're not thriving, but we're on life support. We're living day to day, month to month, just hoping to make it. Now, when we talk about the vision of this church and what God has for us going forward, I understand that there's a lot of different audiences. So let me talk to all the different audiences. We have members here that have been members for a long time. And so what I'm asking God to do in your hearts is this, to draw a line in the stand and say, here, from this point forward, I recommit myself to go all in. We have new members here who have just found Jesus, who have just been baptized, those who have just decided that this would be their place to thrive. And so what I'm asking for you and for others who are new members is this, dig deep to find out what it means to know God and to find freedom and to discover your purpose. Um, now, there's some of you who are attending, but you're not uh, part of our church family uh, yet. Um, you're, you like that? I said the word yet, Ryan? Yeah, yet. Uh, my prayer for you is that over the next few weeks that you decide to go all in. All in with us. All in with this local church. And if not here, my, my, honest, my honest heart's desire is that you find a church to go all in on. Again, there is no plan B for this church. God desires each one of us to be part of a local body of believers where you can go all in on. So if you're still evaluating where this is the church, where that is, understood, uh, we're happy to have you. Uh, but I do pray that over the next few weeks you, you, you start to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in a very specific direction. There might be some that are visitors, and uh, um, we're so glad to have you. And I would ask you to do this. I would ask you to pray to the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, I'm not here by mistake. I'm here for a reason. What is that reason? There might be some of you here who are without Christ. You've never made a decision to embrace Christ. Uh, again, our mission is this, to give every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. So whether or not you ever darken the doors of our church again, whether or not you ever catch our live stream again, we're going to introduce you to Jesus today. That's what we're going to do. Uh, let's walk through these values. The first one is this, value number one, authentic faith. So this means that our faith will live and breathe between Sundays just as much as on Sundays. That means that between Sundays, we are worshiping, that we have a heart of worship. Between Sundays, we're going to pray. We're going to pray with our spouses. We're going to pray with our families. Between Sundays, we're going to take time to go into the Word. Between Sundays, we're going to be smiling and pleasant, just like we are on Sunday morning. We're going to do that between Sundays because we're going to have an authentic faith that says the, the depth of my faith says this, that I have hope that Jesus is alive, and the reason that I go to work on Monday is to fulfill this call in my life to have an authentic faith. So let's start here in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, without faith it is, say that next word with me, 
impossible to please God. Isn't that an amazing statement? The writer of Hebrews who remained anonymous says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We read the rest of the verse that says this, because anyone who comes to him, who comes to Jesus, must believe that he exists and that he rewards them, those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews is written to an interesting group of people who have been persecuted for their faith. They have uh, been driven from their homes. And for some of them, this statement is really difficult for them to embrace. They have been used to following the Old Testament traditions. They have been used to following a set of uh, parameters that allow them to understand they were in good standing with God. That if they met all of the criteria in this Old Testament canon of, uh, uh, of rules and regulations, that they were in good standing with God, and now all of a sudden a shift has happened. Because Jesus Christ has come from heaven down to earth, and he is the word became flesh. Everything they thought they knew about the Old Testament is now living and breathing in front of them. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He died on the cross to be the permanent sacrifice for you and I. He died and then what raised again afterwards. He is living and breathing. And now, the writer of Hebrews says, without faith in this Jesus, it's impossible to please God. So it, it is necessary for us to have an authentic faith. The definition of faith is actually given a little bit earlier in Hebrews. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says this, faith is Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is who we uh, hold to be Jesus. He is our confidence and he is the assurance. We sing that song from time to time that says, blessed assurance. The next few words are what? Jesus is Mine. That's the truth that we get to sing and worship about. So faith is this confidence. So this morning, where do you put your confidence? Where do you put your confidence in your family, in things eternal? Where do you put that confidence? Now, I looked up the word uh, authentic in the, the dictionary, and it says this. The definition of authentic is undisputed origin. We have no doubt where that comes from. So when people look at our lives and they look at our authentic faith and they look at the way we live our lives, not just on Sundays, but between Sundays, there should not be a question where the source of that faith is. This is what it means to have an authentic faith. We'll unpack this a little bit in the next few weeks. But when our faith in God is undisputed in origin, we have the opportunity to see God work. So value number one is this. An authentic faith. Value number two is this, healthy and strong relationships. Healthy and strong relationships. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at it 14 verses pretty quickly. But in Colossians chapter 3, uh, Paul does an amazing job of, of walking us through what these healthy and strong relationships look like. We begin in verse 1 of Colossians 3. He says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. We're going to pause right here in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. What Paul is doing is he's describing what it means to have our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Jesus, uh, he says, uh, since you then have been raised with Christ. He's painting the picture. He's reminding us that Jesus was buried. 
he was dead, but then was raised. So now our lives, if our lives are hidden in Christ, that means when, because Jesus has been raised, so have we. So he says, since you have been raised with Christ, the next part goes like this, set your hearts on things above. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a heavenly, a kingdom perspective. He goes on to say this, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Aren't you glad we serve a risen Savior? You know, if we did the research, we would find, uh, you could go out and find where Joseph Smith's tomb is. And you could find the remains of his body. You could do so with Confucius. You could do so with Buddha. You could do so with Muhammad. But we serve a risen Savior. This is what separates us. This is what allows us to have a hope and an assurance that is confident. Look where Jesus is right now. So it says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We've looked at this imagery before back in Hebrews. Seated means this. The work that Jesus set out to do is now accomplished. It is finished. The fact that he died, rose, uh, he was buried and then rose again, that was the work that he had to do to pay the sin debt that all of us owe. And so now he gets to sit at the right hand of God. So based on this, based on the fact that we have been risen with Christ, that we have this kingdom perspective, what's our responsibility? Look at verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is in your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When we think about these healthy and strong relationships, what Paul is reminding us is this. Our heavenly perspective should impact all of our relationships. In fact, if your relationships aren't impacted by your faith, I would say you have a weak faith. If your faith in God doesn't move the way that you parent or the way that you uh, interact with your spouse or the way that you interact with complete strangers that you've never met, then I would say your faith needs to be checked. So how does this happen? How does our heavenly perspective uh, impact all of our relationships? Paul doesn't mess around. Look at the next verse, verse 5. Put to death. Therefore, whatever, whoops, did I skip a verse? Yeah, what, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he describes what our earthly nature is. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Make no mistake, being in Christ means that we do not live in sexual promiscuity. That's not being approved, by the way. That's being set apart because we have a kingdom perspective now. We don't avoid pornography because uh, we are prude or that we're not open-minded. We do so because we have set our minds on things above. We stay faithful to our spouses. We, evident, we enter covenants of marriage. Um, uh, we remain true to the families that we have called ourselves to. Why? Because we live to a higher standard now. And so God calls us to this, and he says, put to death all those things in your life. 
the sexual immorality, the promiscuity, the idolatry, the greed, wanting things that you shouldn't have or that, 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 that don't belong to you, all of that list, lust, evil desires, the reason we avoid those things is not because we're boring, it's because we've been called to something way higher. And then he goes on to say this, because of this, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Look at verse 7. This is a beautiful reminder. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. You see, church, we have been set free so that we do not have to live this way any longer. We grow. We don't stay stagnant. We grow. We don't stay where we are. And if you are exactly where you are in your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ as you were five years ago, it's time to check yourself. If you are exactly at the same level of trust and faith in Jesus that you were in the past, it is time to reevaluate your faith. He goes on. As if that list wasn't strong enough, Paul goes on. Look at verse 8. You must also rid yourself of all these things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He's saying this, man, you're done with the old life. You don't live there anymore. It's like clothes you used to wear that don't fit anymore. Right? I'll let you decide if it's because they're too big or too small. I didn't ask my wife if I could do this, but my wife um, has gotten really healthy over the last year. And this morning she said, you know what? These clothes don't fit anymore. And I just thought about this passage, how some of us keep putting anger back on. And there should be something in your heart that says this. This doesn't fit anymore. You're putting malice and rage back into your life. And there should be something in your spirit that says this. Gosh, this feels weird. This doesn't fit anymore. I need to put these things off. The, the, the way I live angry, the way I live with filthy language. Um, if you look at the Greek in that context, he's just talking about things that are just dirty. Not so much cussing, not so much vile language, but just things that are just a little dirty. They don't fit anymore. Paul says, boy, uh, since you've been raised in Christ, you should have this kingdom perspective. You should get rid of all of these other things in your life. Uh, look at verse 9. Don't lie to each other. That's a good one. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, here there is no Gentile or Jew. He goes on, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. What he's saying is this, there's no labels in God's kingdom. There's no room for discrimination. There's no room for racism. We are all one in Christ. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean... Um, it doesn't mean that our backgrounds and cultures and experiences don't matter. It doesn't mean that we're colorblind necessarily. But what it means is this, that when you see me, you see my, my skin, you see my culture, you see my experience, you see my bald head, you see, you see everything about me, and then you say you bring value to the kingdom of God. It means that when I look at you and I look at our community, it doesn't mean that I put people in segregated spots and I say, well, this is these people and this is those people. It means that I look with every single one of them and there's neither Hebrew nor Jew. There's no barbarian or Scythian. There's no uh, circumcised or uncircumcised. In Christ, we are one. 
This is what healthy, strong relationships look like. There's no labels, but rather our uniqueness contribute to our unity. Uh, Verse 12, he says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. So, So what he's saying is this, now that we have Christ, we dress in a new wardrobe that, is, that he has picked out for us. So look at what he's picked out for us. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness and patience. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave. This is your new wardrobe, church compassion. That means you love people, not because they can pay you back, not because uh, they're worth it, but because Jesus loves them. And so we're going to love them just as Jesus would love them. We're going to be kind because it doesn't cost anything to be kind. We're going to be humble. We're going to have humility. That means we're not going to think of ourselves too too highly. We're going to be gentle with one another. Gentleness so that we can bring them to Christ. We're going to be patient with one another. Hello? That means with your pastor. That means with each other. That means with our community. We're going to be patient. We're going to bear with each other. That means we're not going to give up on one another, but we're going to bear with one another. We're going to forgive one another. I love this caveat that Paul puts in here. We're going to forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. That means this, if someone has a complaint against me, whether or not I sinned, I'm gonna, that person's going to forgive me and I'm going to forgive them. Like the standard for being a follower of Jesus Christ with healthy and strong relationships is so much higher. And then he says this, we're going to forgive as the Lord forgives you. Verse 14, he says this, In all of these virtues, over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So our heavenly perspective, this kingdom perspective, because we have been raised in Christ, should impact all of our relationships. So value number one, authentic faith. Value number two, healthy and strong relationships. This is our mission, to give every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. To give every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Um, There's scriptures that are laid out for you there. Um, I kind of want to go to Acts chapter 4. So we're going to skip a couple of those verses. We're going to go to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where it says this. In fact, uh, read this with me. Ready? Begin. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So here are some things I don't trust for my salvation. I don't trust my good behavior for salvation. Because depending on the day of the week, I wouldn't qualify. Right? Here are some things I don't trust for my salvation. I don't trust my good intentions. Because I don't always follow through on my good intentions. Um, I don't trust the good I've done in my life versus the bad. I don't trust my political beliefs for my salvation. I don't trust the country I was born in, India, 
neither country I became a citizenship, I became a citizen of when I was 20, the America, the United States of America. I don't trust either one of those. Those are all good things. Those are all provide value in my life. Those are incredibly important things. But when it comes to salvation and being God's people, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind whereby we must be saved. Everyone who is ever born will believe in Jesus Christ in this life or you'll do it in the next. You see, if you choose to believe and embrace Jesus as the Son of God in this life, you have the advantage of living this life with the Spirit of God in you, and you get to have meaning and significance in this life. If you choose not to believe Him in this life, make no mistake, I believe with all my heart in Scripture, you will believe in the next life. Philippians chapter 2. Steve was quoting it, so we'll go there. Philippians 2 and verse 5 says this, In your, what's that next word? relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he explains the mindset. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Look at verse 9. Therefore, God highly exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. The tragedy of this life is that we assume we have a choice whether or not to be all in as followers. Some of you are here and you're debating whether or not you go all in. And I'm telling you, the tragedy of life is to assume you have a choice in the matter. I would say this, being all in is an act of obedience. So as we close today, I want to look at uh, the book of Acts. Before we do that, we're going to go to Matthew. Matthew 28. These are the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples um, at the end of the gospel of Matthew. And he says this. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everyone say, go. And attend church every Sunday you can. I mean, that's a part of it, right? But the, 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 the declaration for us is so much more specific. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Obey everything I've commanded. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, he says something similar, but he gives the early church their marching orders. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Church, you have been given power, and what we do with that power is up to us. Now, things the Bible never says. You can write these down if you'd like. Uh, pastors are the only people that share the gospel with others. In your relationships, you should get mad or even. You should be more passionate about a sports team than you are about the Lakers. Uh, I almost said the Lakers. Man, oh, man. 
You should be more passionate about a sports team than you are about Jesus. Things the Bible says, you should go to church on Sundays and forget about God the rest of the week. You should avoid church people because they're full of hypocrites. You should just attend church and not be the church. You see, we all understand that these are all silly things, but it's interesting how those, uh, those things we know not to be true will creep into our life and have the power of truth over you. Scripturally speaking, the Bible points to us living lives of authentic faith, having healthy and strong relationships, and in our lives giving every person we come in contact with the opportunity to meet Jesus. So, as we think about this, as we think about Acts 1-8 when he says uh, to give power and he, uh, the people were given power to become witnesses, what was the early church all in on? I'm going to list you some things. Um, Acts 1-8 is when they were given these marching orders, and then the next thing that happens is Acts chapter 2, which is awesome. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, fills the believers. People hear the word of God in their native tongue with a miraculous encounter with the Holy Spirit. Peter addresses the crowd and preaches the truth about who Jesus is, and then this happens in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and check this out, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Um, why should you get baptized? Because you've accepted the message. If you believe in the message, you are called to identify with God and his people. And since the early church did that, this is how we do it. Whenever someone accepts the message, they get baptized. In two weeks, we're going to have a baptism Sunday because one of our young people that attended VBS came forward one Sunday and said, Daniel, I think I want to get baptized. We went up, sat down with him and his family, and we talked about it. And this same young man about three years ago wanted to do that same thing, and he wasn't quite ready. Couldn't articulate what sin was. Couldn't really understand what the cross was about. And this time, this week, for some reason, God opened up his mind and his heart, and he made that decision. So in two weeks, we're going to celebrate with Chiron and have a baptism Sunday. Um, there was no debate in the early church on what they did. They accepted Christ, and then because God called, or Jesus asked them to baptize people, they said, I've accepted Christ, what do I do next? So they got baptized. Um, the verse says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Uh, I love that when people accepted Christ, they went all in. There was no debate on whether or not they would start attending church. There was no debate in the early church on whether or not they would get baptized. There was no debate and evaluate what kind of music was being sung that Sunday at their church. There was no debate on whether or not they would get involved. They accepted Christ and they went all in with no restraint, with no looking back, no safety net, no backup plan. Of all the things they could have wasted, they chose not to waste time. So let me show you what they went all in on. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. First of all, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. First and, five more, first and foremost, they went all in on God's word. They just went all in on God's word being the authority in their life. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a rules. It wasn't like Aesop's fables or Mark Twain's literature that had good principles for living or ethical ways of thinking through life. It is the word of God breathed and preserved for us today. So they went all in on the apostles' teaching. All in on God's word. In the next few weeks, we're going to share with you some ways you can go all in on God's teaching, on, God, on, on the word of God. 
Uh, there's going to be new uh, women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies. There's going to be a morning Bible study during the week for those of you who are retired and are able to do so. And we're going to provide safe gathering spaces for all these, but we're going to show, uh, show you what it might look like for you to go all in on God's word. The second thing they devoted themselves to, apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. I believe this is referencing communion. They observed communion together because they thought whenever we gather together, we're going to remember Jesus' death, his burial, and resurrection. So on Sundays here at our church, whenever we gather, we have communion. And at the end of our service, we're going to observe communion together. If you keep on reading the verse, it says this, to the breaking of bread and to, what's the last one? Prayer. They prayed with one another. Um, there's a powerful thing that happens when you just ask someone if you can pray with them. Most of us are very comfortable praying for them. Where you're going to go back into the privacy of your own home and pray for them. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to make one change in your sentence and instead of when someone shares with you brokenness or if someone shares with you some difficulty in their life, instead of saying, you know what, can I pray for you? I'm going to ask you to change that sentence to can I pray with you? And take the moment right there and to pray with them. You'll be amazed to see what God does. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Keep reading. It says this, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Look at what else happened in verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They put a huge value on being together in good times and bad times through every season. Thomas Merton said it this way, love is our true destiny. We don't find the meaning of life by ourselves alone. We find it with one another. So we're going to start providing opportunities for you to gather with one another as safely as we can, as responsibly as we can. We're going to provide those opportunities. We have something coming up called a Christmas chew and view. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Just know that it's coming. We're going to have our picnic in a few weeks. We'll be outdoors at Stewart Park, and we'll get to outside worship and have communion and uh, have a brief lesson and then uh, just share a meal together. We're going to provide opportunities to just be together. Verse 45 says this. Look at what they were all in on. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You say, Daniel, what do you think that means? I think they sold property and possessions. And they gave it to anyone in need. They were generous. They put a huge value on just being generous because they knew that this life was short. And if I could be generous with something that lasts just a moment and it opens up a door, it opens up an opportunity for, some, for me to tell someone about Jesus, then whatever I was generous with was worth it because we're going to give every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. So they were generous. Look at what else they were all in on. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. Everyone say amen. amen. They ate meals together. We're going to provide some ways in the next few weeks and months for us to share meals together because we believe that this is something that builds relationships. Because in this context, you get to hear from me, which depending on the Sunday, right? But when you share a meal with someone, you get to interact with them. Uh, so we're going to go all in on that. 
It says this next. It says this. Uh, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That word sincere just is an ode to what we already talked about, where they were authentic with one another. And then verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They put a high premium on praising God. All this being said, I want you to read the rest of verse 47. Okay? Read that last sentence to yourself. Who grew the church? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's this uh, trick question where the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. But look at verse 47. The people enjoyed the favor of all the people. I think what ends up happening is this. When you go all in, um, the responsibility of growing the church is really up to God. But our responsibility is to go all in on being authentic, on having healthy and strong relationships, on giving every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. And if we do those things, if we go all in on those things, God will not only create a healthy group of believers, but he will also expand his kingdom for his glory. I said earlier there are several audiences here today, so uh, members, uh, I want you to go all in. I want you to recommit to say, First Christian Church is my church. This is where God has called me to. I've been here for X amount of months, X amount of years. And by God's grace, this is where I'm going to stay, and I'm going to go all in. You have your green cards in front of you. Maybe at the end of the service, you're just going to write the words all in, because that's what you're going to be. If there's new, num- new members here uh, that have just made decisions for Christ, or you feel like you're new here, uh, I'm going to encourage you to dig deep on what it looks like the early church, that list of things that, uh, that the church did to go all in, maybe one or two of those things is where you are. I'm going to ask you to make that commitment. If you're attending but this is not your church home yet, I pray that over the next few weeks you decide to go all in. On April 21st in the year 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez sailed into the harbor of Veracruz, Mexico. He had about with him 600 men, and over the next two years, he, his vastly outnumbered forces defeated Montezuma and the warriors of the Aztec Empire. He made, it made Cortez the conqueror of all Mexico. And as you read history, this is what happened. Cortez knew that he and his men faced insurmountable odds, 600 of them versus armies against him. He knew that the road before him would be difficult and dangerous, and he knew that his men, when faced with their opposition, they would be faced with the temptation to abandon their quest and to return to Spain in the boats that they came. So as soon as Cortez and his men had come ashore and unloaded all their provisions, all of their supplies, and everyone got off the boat, he ordered their fleet as the first order of business to burn the ship. To set the ship on fire. His men stood on the shore and they watched as the only possibility of retreat burned away. And from that point on, they knew that there was no point of return, there was no turning back, nothing lay behind them but an empty ocean, and they knew their only option was to go forward, to conquer or die. Church, it's time to burn the ships, it's time to go all in. It's time for us to, uh, to let go of whatever you're holding on. 
allow that to be burned up so that we can obey Christ and go all in with no restraint, with no looking back, with no safety net, with no backup plan. Let's go all in. I'm going to have you bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for you. If you have a Connect card, I want you to grab that. They're probably in the row behind you or the row in front of you. They're green Connect cards. I'd encourage you to fill that out just so I could pray for you this week. So many of you filled them out last week and shared where you believe God has uh, placed you in your journey. And I've been praying for you almost every day this week. Some of you said, man, it was so awesome. Some of you emailed me. Some of you texted me and said, man, this is where God is working in my heart. And I loved hearing about that. You know, for us as a church to go all in, it's a bunch of individual decisions that have to be made. I could stand up here and tell you story and story and story after story about biblical examples and historical examples of what it looks like for a group of people to go all in. But at the end of the day, it's a bunch of individual decisions. I have to make the decision to go all in. My family does. And you do. So where... Where is the hesitation coming from for you or your family? Where is the point where you just say, this is where God is working in my heart? Again, I mentioned several audiences, and in a moment I want to pray for you all. But if you're here as a member and you're ready to recommit, maybe today's not the Sunday, maybe it's next Sunday, but maybe it's time for you to just write the words all in on the Connect card. I'll know what that means. That means as a member of this church, you're all in. And I'll be praying that God reveals to you what that looks like in your own life to go all in like the early church did. Maybe some of you are newer members of our church and you say, Daniel, I don't quite know what it means to be all in, but this part you said about that early church really spoke to me. Maybe it's about um, prioritizing God's word. Maybe it's prioritize being together. Maybe it's prioritizing praying with one another. Maybe one of those needs to be written down as just a just a sign, just a commitment that says this is where God is leading you. If you're watching online or you're here in the audience and you're attending and you're, for whatever reason, you just haven't joined our church, in two weeks on August 29th, we're going to invite you to make that decision. We're going to be celebrating baptism on that Sunday with at least one individual, hopefully a few others who have been waiting to make this decision. We all, but we also want to celebrate those who want to become a part of this church family. You're ready to declare that this is your church. Maybe you've already started behaving and living like this is your church. We'd like to have this Sunday where we make it official on August 29th. So maybe if God is leading you and your family to make that decision, maybe that's what you need to commit to. In fact, if you are ready to join and you are needing some information or you need to talk to someone about what that looks like, I'd like you to write down the date, August 29th, on your green card. One of our staff or one of our elders will call you this week and show you what it means to be a part of a healthy, active church body. There might be some here who are just without Christ. You've never made the decision to do so. Maybe you've been waiting to get baptized because the timing wasn't right or you just didn't feel compelled to do so. And this is the hour that God has been waiting for. 
You see, in the early church, all they did was they accepted his message and then they were baptized. It was a symbol. It was a, uh, it was a marker for them to identify with God, but also with God's people. In a couple weeks, you'll have that opportunity. And if that's your need, I'd encourage you to write the word baptism on your green card. I'd love to talk to you this week about what it means to go all in as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team forward as as I pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, as we look at Scripture and we kind of see what it looks like to go all in, Lord, would you help us to have the courage to make these decisions? Father, first of all, to have an authentic faith, a faith that lives and breathes outside of Sundays just as much as Sunday. Father, would you give us a desire to, to get into the Word of God in such a way where we're transformed from the inside out. Father, would you help us develop healthy and strong relationships with our spouses, with our kids, with our neighbors, with our community? Would you allow that to be a marker of our church? That our, Not that our relationships are perfect, but when there's hurt, that we lean into forgiveness when there's brokenness, we lean into restoration and redemption. That we're healthy and we're strong. Not in our own merit, but because of who you are. And Father, may we be a people that gives every person the opportunity to meet Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We pray that decisions would be made that would honor and glorify you. Holy Spirit, would you rest upon us right now? Would you fall on this church? Would you allow yourself to permeate the lives of your people? And would you call those who have yet to make a decision for you, would you call them to our Heavenly Father? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So, Lord, would you call people to yourself? Would you do the work in our hearts that only you can do? In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc.com at gmail.com In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.